CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. Welcome. You walk into the doctor's office and get a prescription, but do you read the pamphlet about possible side effects? The reality is many Canadians don't. In fact, some 22,000 die every single year in this country from severe adverse drug reactions. And one family with a horrifying story of loss is on a mission to change that. Running's what saved my life. I wouldn't be here today. When something like this happens, you have to find your own path. The path Beth Carmichael has had to travel is unthinkable. The one job you have is to look after your children, and I didn't do it. But running keeps me going. Beth's son, Ian, was murdered when he was just 11 years old. Very few people have heard the story from me. And uh, I like it that way because I like to hold on to the memories that I have and everything that I went through by myself. Maybe I'll never recover from it, but that's okay. Because a lot of my guilt, too, is not being there for my son, not saving him. And I want to hold on to that. It just keeps me close to him. Oh, you got to give me a minute. Okay. Holding on to the guilt keeps you close to him? Because I feel responsible for not seeing signs. The signs Beth says she missed first started appearing in 2004, the year that destroyed the Carmichael family. Those are some of the basic skills that a parent yeah. can do with their children when they're young. Beth's husband, David, well known for his role as a director with the fitness program Participation, sunk into a deep depression. He was a loving father. He was a good man, a good supporter, a good husband. I threw no a one-handed trick. We did everything with the kids. Everything was about the kids. Okay. And it wasn't an extreme life of any kind. It was just a loving, supportive life and a lot of happiness. And then the drug came in the picture and it was all taken away. The drug is Paxil, a widely used antidepressant prescribed by David's doctor. At first, it seemed to work. David felt so much better, he quit taking it. And then he hit bottom again. Reaching for his prescription, David this time increased his own dosage all without checking with his doctor. I remember everything vividly, everything, everything. David Carmichael shared his deadly delusion with W5 back in 2007, describing how he truly believed that his young and healthy son, who had recently been diagnosed with a mild form of epilepsy, was brain damaged, dangerous, and needed to die. To my mind, it was going to kill my daughter, and my wife was going to have a breakdown, and it was going to hurt other children. And this all happened within a two-week period after I increased my dosage of Paxil. David says he took Ian on a special father-son weekend to London, Ontario, 
so he could carry out a horrifying plan. I gave him the sleeping medication around quarter after 10 at night, around 2.30 in the morning. It was obvious he wasn't going to go to sleep. So um, I wound up strangling him. After him was dead, I moved him to the center of the bed. I kissed him on his lips. I told him I love him. I'm really going to miss you, but you're in a better place now. I went and I turned on the TV and I watched it for six hours. Yeah, until 9 o'clock in the morning when I called the local police. You killed somebody, sir? Yes, my 11-year-old son who's got some permanent brain damage. Is your son breathing at all? No, he's uh, quite dead. An 11-year-old male was pronounced dead at the scene. Charged in the boy's death is his father, 46-year-old David Carmichael. Ian's funeral was held a few days later. And while this looks like David, he was actually in jail. This is his identical twin brother, Jeff, standing before family and friends, delivering a heartbreaking eulogy. If David were here, I'm sure what he would say to his son, Ian, that I love you so much, and I will always love you. I know that when you were with me, you were happy, you felt secure, and you knew you were loved. Ian's love of BMX biking was honored with this parade as Beth looked on from the side of the road. To this day, David insists the antidepressant he was prescribed caused him to go into a state of psychosis, a psychosis that he says only lifted when the drug left his body, weeks after being charged with first-degree murder. When I came out of my psychosis, I cried for three days. So the first time I saw Beth, when I was no longer psychotic, was I don't even understand how this could have happened. Can you take me to that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I don't think either one of us really knew what to say. I mean, what do you say in a situation like that? I mean, our life was ruined. Ian was gone. Beth had to raise Jillian on her own, and I was locked up. Jillian is Ian's older sister. She was just 14 when a police officer knocked on the door and delivered the terrible news. It plays in my mind like a movie. I can tell you details about that day more than I can what I did last week. I will never forget the expression on the policeman's face, the way that he spoke to me. I will never forget that day. 17 years have passed since Ian's death. In those early days of grief, it seemed unlikely that the family could ever survive such a horror. It's been very stressful in our marriage. Uh, my wife has just been charging ahead and I'm not sure if you can rebuild from, from a tragedy like this. Now she's friendly with every doc. She met a three-month-old pup yesterday. But rebuild they did. Beth has stood by the man who ended her son's life and until now has never spoken publicly about the tragedy. People will hear your story, Beth, and wonder how you could have stayed with him, even if the drugs were the sole responsibility. The decision was understanding why because he was the same person before and after that one drug.
that GSK product that destroyed our life. And that, that's all I needed to know. In those early days, you didn't have any answers. You must have been filled with rage at him. I mean, how could you? Rage, yeah, in the beginning, but I knew that there was something wrong because he wouldn't do something like that. You feel as though you were punished by family, by society, for staying by him. Mm-hmm. I, I think they think that he was a murderer, and that's it, that's it, that's final, that's the answer. I make my own decisions, and this was my decision. Jillian's an amazing person because of that decision. At his first-degree murder trial, David was diagnosed as being in a psychotic depression at the time of the killing. He was found not criminally responsible and served no jail time. Instead, he was transferred here to the Brockville Mental Health Centre in eastern Ontario, where he spent four years. Paxil's potential role in triggering that psychosis was not considered relevant and so wasn't examined at trial. There are people who believe that your dad got away with murder. It honestly breaks my heart when somebody says that to me because I feel like my dad was the ultimate victim in all of this because he actually had to live it. The ultimate victim because when David first went on Paxil in 2003, he says his doctor gave him no warnings about potential side effects. The information he was given didn't raise any red flags about possible violence. In May 2004, two months before Ian's death, this warning was added to Paxil and some other antidepressants to watch out for behavioral and emotional changes, including a risk of self-harm. But David says he never saw those warnings because he already had a full prescription at home. And even now, all these years later, in Paxil's product guide, you have to dig through six pages before you get to the warnings, including severe agitation, self-harm, or harm to others. Health Canada decides where warnings are placed in the product information, warnings that continue for pages and pages. Paxil remains one of the world's most popular antidepressants, despite hundreds of lawsuits alleging serious adverse reactions, including suicide and birth defects. W5 reached out to the makers of Paxil about David's story. They sent us this statement. The tragic circumstances of this case serve as an important reminder that depression and other mental illnesses are serious disorders. The scientific evidence does not establish that Paxil causes homicidal, psychotic, or violent behavior. But Health Canada has indicated to W5 that since 2004, 258 suspected serious adverse reactions have been reported to them about Paxil, including 50 suicides, 211 cases of suicidal thoughts or attempts, and 16 instances of homicidal ideation, hostility, or violent reactions. It's not just Paxil. Other commonly prescribed antidepressants also have warnings about potentially serious adverse reactions. And how was your third day? Well, it's hot, but it's not as humid, humid here so far. Jillian is now 31 years old. She recently moved to the U.S. for work, but stays in touch with her mom and dad through video calls. Anyway, Jillian, I know you got to go to a call, so mom and I are going to sign off. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay, see ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You believe 
that Beth has forgiven you. Have you forgiven yourself? I've, I've had to work at forgiving myself because I really wanted to prevent any tragedies like ours uh, with other families. And that helped me forgive myself, finding a bigger purpose. That bigger purpose will soon take David to towns and cities across Canada. You're going across the country, telling the story again and again. What's the goal of this Cross Canada tour? That people recognize they should be doing more of their own research so they can make an informed choice about prescription drug use and that if they are having an adverse reaction that they report it to Health Canada. It's important. We need Canadians to speak out much more. Coming up. People are overly trusting of Health Canada and their doctors. Why are drug companies' warnings going unheeded? We had no clue what had caused this. When W5 continues. So I'm hoping as we go across the country, we'll get more Canadians engaged in what I think is an incredibly important public discussion because... David Carmichael doesn't want anyone else to live his nightmare. And so he's sharing his story at events like this across the country. Because of COVID, the crowd is small. But he's determined to educate Canadians about potentially deadly reactions to prescription drugs. There's lots of questions you can ask your doctor. Most people don't. You know, I, I know for me it was blind trust and it's not anymore. In 2004, David took his son's life while in a psychotic state that he believes was caused by the antidepressant Paxil. We lived in Oakville since 1986. We had uh, three children, Madeline, Vanessa, and Hart. The man standing with him on stage is former Conservative Member of Parliament, Terence Young. Both men are united in a common grief and a common goal make Canadians more aware about drug side effects. We had no clue uh, what had caused this. We just were absolutely, utterly shocked. Terence's 15-year-old daughter, Vanessa, died in 2000. She had been prescribed Propulsit to treat digestion problems caused by her eating disorder. She was given this drug, it's called motility drug, helps food move through your system, that's all we were told. We thought of it as like super Rolaids or something. We had absolutely no clue. No clue that the drug was linked to over 340 reported heart rhythm abnormalities, including 80 deaths in the U.S. In fact, the makers of Propulsid had sent four separate letters to doctors warning about potentially serious side effects. Health Canada had also sent out three separate newsletters of their own, the last one just months before Vanessa died. Four doctors knew Vanessa was taking this drug. None of them warned us. What happened with Propulsid? Propulsid was pulled off the U.S. market the day before Vanessa's funeral. Months later, Health Canada followed suit and issued this alert that they too were taking Propulsid off the market. Terence documented the tragedy in his book, Death by Prescription. I wanted to wake up from the nightmare. I wanted to be off this earth and with Vanessa to hold her in my arms again. Why did this happen? I had to find the answer, so I set out on a journey. I began the day after Vanessa died. That journey led to a groundbreaking piece of legislation called Vanessa's Law, 
Terence used his position as a Conservative Member of Parliament to get the law passed in 2014. It's officially known as the Protecting Canadians from Unsafe Drugs Act. Vanessa's law represents the highest calling of a government, in my view. When the death of an innocent child can lead to definitive action by the government of Canada to help prevent others from the same fate, our democracy is at its best. Since Vanessa's law became law, has it had the power that you envisioned? No, uh, it's not being enforced. Health Canada are a timid regu regulator. Um, they've backed down uh, considerably on the powers that they put into the bill. Vanessa's law was supposed to give Health Canada new powers to order recalls, compel drug companies to do more studies if there are concerns about safety, and impose tougher penalties for unsafe products. It also mandated hospitals to report every serious adverse drug reaction to Health Canada within 30 days. So one of the key sections in Vanessa's law was that hospitals, acute care hospitals, would have to report all serious adverse drug reactions that occur. And it's very important because you could spot a drug that's harming patients very early instead of waiting years and years and getting into a body count. I think most Canadians would be astounded to know that this wasn't happening already, that hospitals weren't already reporting adverse drug uh, impacts. Well, they were, they were obliged to, but it wasn't a law yet. But even though it became law in 2014, it took five long years to implement mandatory reporting by hospitals. That only took effect in 2019. Hospitals did not want to report serious adverse drug reactions. Yes, it's an administrative burden, but it doesn't have to be. What kind of data or evidence would come out of having this hospital report serious adverse drug effects? Well, you find out how many are happening and it's a way bigger number than have ever been reported. In a statement to W5, Health Canada says, since mandatory reporting came into effect in 2019, 9,100 adverse drug reactions have been reported by Canadian hospitals. That's a 300% increase compared to the 18-month period before reporting became mandatory. But on Health Canada's own website, there is an acknowledgement that there is under-reporting of adverse reactions with both voluntary and mandatory surveillance systems. In fact, despite Vanessa's law, it's estimated that less than 5% of adverse reactions are ever reported. As for the new powers to recall drugs, order more studies, and fine manufacturers, Health Canada says it has not encountered a situation where it has been necessary to use its authority. Health Canada, unfortunately, doesn't put the resources into monitoring safety that it should. Dr. Joel Lection is an associate professor at the University of Toronto. He specializes in drug and health policy regulation and says Health Canada's priorities have shifted away from safety. Over the past 15 or so years, Health Canada has consistently put about three to four times more people and more money into um, approving new drugs compared to monitoring the safety of drugs that are already on the market. I think that that's a, the wrong kind of priorities. An astounding fact that Health Canada has spent three and a half times more on approving new drugs than monitoring the safety of drugs already on the market. 
Dr. Lekshin says patients and doctors need to pay more attention to potential risks. In theory, people are aware of the risks of prescription drugs, but people are overly trusting of both Health Canada and their doctors, and doctors, I think, overly trust um, what comes out of Health Canada. I don't think that we're aware of the degree of risk um, with specific drugs, and neither are the people who are taking them. It's really a very simple purpose, just to try to help Canadians make more informed choices about prescription drug use. David and Terence know their profound loss could be a life-saving gain if just one person learns that prescribed drugs come with real risks. Well, thank you to everybody here. This is important. What he's doing now is in a... It's important for people to hear it if they will listen and hear that there's more people like him, they just haven't realized it. I'll never recover from this, and either will Beth. We'll just try to move on and move forward. Is this hard for you to keep bringing this out again and again and again, or is this part of your punishment? It's always difficult to bring it out, but it's part of my purpose. I feel I have to, it's part of my healing, to try to prevent tragedies like what our family's been through. That's what's keeping me going. We have details on David's tour on our website, as well as information on how you can check and report adverse reactions. You can find that on w5.ctvnews.ca. You've been listening to CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes.